Hey, everyone. From NPR, it's been a minute. I'm Elise Hugh. All month, we've been bringing you special IBAM music episodes from The Vault. In our last episode of this music series, former host Sam Sanders chats with Bruce Talaman about his photo book, Bruce W. Talaman, Soul, R&B, Funk, Photographs, 1972 to 1982. Sam and Bruce talked back in 2018. And without further ado, here's Sam. Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. So there's this picture that I'm obsessed with. It's got Maurice White of Earth, Wind & Fire. The photo's in black and white. Maurice is walking away from the camera. You see his back, and he has this white umbrella he's holding over his head. He is walking through sand. He's in a desert. And behind him are three big pyramids, almost larger than life. They are the pyramids in Egypt. It is beautiful. It's one of the most iconic music photos ever. A man named Bruce Talamon took that picture and a lot of other pictures. We are talking to Bruce today because... If you can name a black musician from the 70s, chances are Bruce Talamon has photographed them. Michael Jackson dancing with his brothers on a soundstage. Patti LaBelle feet up on a chair after a long day of press interviews. Diana Ross literally crowd surfing in a concert. Bruce has a new book out with hundreds of his photos. It is called Bruce W. Talamon, Soul, R&B, Funk. Bruce and I talk about some of the stories behind those photos and those artists, how he got so much access to them, and what they're like up close. All right. Also, full disclosure, Bruce is married to NPR Code Switch correspondent and friend of this show, Karen Grigsby-Bates. Okay, with that, let's get to it. Here's me and Bruce Talamon talking with a bunch of music at NPR West. Bruce, hi. Hey, man. How are you? We're dressed alike today. I like that. <laughs> yeah, my wife just pointed that out. <laughs> you, know, you know she would. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's funny. I've been hauling your book around the last several days, going through all the photos and reading up on it. Mm-hmm. And I love this book, but it's heavy. To, just to put it in scale yeah. for our listeners, this is probably four times the size of an average book. Easily. Five times Easily. as heavy. Easily. How many photos are in the book? Just under 300 okay. are in the book. And it's 372 pages. It has Stevie Wonder on the cover. Yes, it does. Looking Stevie Wonder-esque. Um, so I want to talk about the backstory okay. of all of this. But first, I want to just go through some of the amazing stories these photos tell with specific artists. Mm-hmm. I want to first talk about these amazing photos you have of Aretha Franklin. This is a year in which everyone is talking about her, and I'm seeing in these photos a side of her you maybe didn't see all the time. Right. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, These were all taken in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, The one that everybody really loves is the one uh, which is at her house. So describe this for listeners. She is leaning over the side of a... Of her grand piano, which was in the living room. She's got her hair up. Hey, man, sister just pulled her hair back. It was very casual. And she's looking you right in the eyes. And she's looking me right in the eyes. I, How close were you to her? It seemed like you were right up in her face. I was a couple of feet away. Did so, she play for you? Yes, she did. Are you, me? you know, when you do a portrait, you also want to have elements of the uh, background or of the, the surroundings. And, I mean, think about it. Aretha Franklin, piano. 
And then she um, would share with us some things that she was working on. Sometimes these tears refuse to hide. Worry, worry, worry. Are you You saw her perform, too? Oh, yes. It was wonderful. I remember one, uh, one photograph that didn't make the cut, and, and, and uh, I had to decide if there, if there needed to be blood on the floor but with my editor. But yeah. her hands reaching out. There, there were, it, it, I have this shot. You've got her hand in the, in the frame, and then you've got the hands of the, the crowd coming up oh, wow. to, touch her, to hand. touch her. It was extremely joyful. Yeah, and uh, I saw that over and over again. I mean, like with Patti LaBelle, with uh, Etta James, with Shaka Khan, with with Natalie Cole, with you know, so many of these women. It it, it was it was authentic, right? It wasn't something that was staged. Okay, and we're gonna have the shot of the no. I got that because I was watching, and and just back then, you know. Uh, these were film cameras, not digital cameras. So you didn't use one camera and then you could convert the color to black and white. You had on your left side, you had black and white cameras, like three of them. On your right side, you had your three uh, color cameras. You carried six cameras everywhere? No, I car- carried probably uh, seven uh, wow. cameras. Two on the neck, uh, three on each side Ruth, with different lenses. That's a lot. Yes. <laughs> My chiropractor will tell you that. <laughs> You know, I mean, but but again, that was you don't want to miss something. If you see it, you've missed it. Uh. Okay, you better come back with the shot. And if you don't, there will be somebody who will replace you tomorrow. Yeah. I want to take you to LaBelle and Uh these photos because you captured them not just in performance, but like on the road. Yeah, I went on the road. I'm looking at this amazing photo of the three members of LaBelle, which gave us Patty LaBelle, for folks that don't know, but the three of them are in the back of a car, a cab, and just passed out sleeping. And Nona Hendricks. And... uh, I mean, it's just a lovely shot that really just kind of captures how grueling this stuff is. Oh, yeah. How long were you with them on this trip? Uh, I think I was with them a a week. It was, you know, total access. You had, uh, you had the sound checks. You had the rehearsals. Then you had the performance, and you had them getting ready. And, you know, at the appropriate time, they let me in back in the back there. And, and uh, Patty had her little glass of wine, and she was— What kind of wine? She was—it was white wine. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was Chardonnay or not, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the girls were glamming up, Daddy. I mean, well, you have this fabulous. photo of them looking in the mirror uh-huh. as they're getting their makeup together. Then they're yeah. wearing these elaborate costumes with feathers. Lots of feathers. This was the Lady Marmalade tour. That was a crowd pleaser. Folks would get up. Well, hell, folks stood up the whole concert. It was like church. And it was loud. And I I found out reading this, 
before that era of their career, the kind of glam rock look, right. Lady Marmalade, right. they were just like a straight ahead group of R&B singers yeah. before that. They, yeah. they changed it up. Oh, there's no question. Did you photograph them before they changed it up or after no, they changed I it up? No, I did not. No, I did not. I, I got the full, the full spaceship. It's beautiful. Well, this picture, <laughs> this picture of Patty right here that I'm looking at right now, she looks right. like she's on stage in ecstasy. Oh, there's no question. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Bruce tells me about the time he caught Al Green coming off stage after a very exhausting concert, and he smacked his head on a door jam. We'll tell you the story. BRB. Your entree into the world of, for, of taking photos of these black musicians Absolutely. came through Soul Magazine. A lot of folks will not have heard about that. What is Soul Magazine? Soul Newspaper was a small African-American arts and, 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 and photography and, and music. Uh, well, it started out as a magazine, uh-huh. but the economics forced it into taking a step back. Okay. I mean, we had the first issue, we had, we had slick paper and yeah. color, and then we were forced to, to see reality and go back to newsprint. Okay. And y'all were doing specifically coverage of... Black so, artists. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and it was the only African American owned and operated black publication at the time that was doing uh, black music. Um, Regina Jones and and her husband Ken uh, Jones. Regina and Ken, they were the publishers of Soul, right? Uh, here in Los Angeles, understood that black kids bought records and had a hunch that they would buy. A newspaper filled with interviews and and stories about the musicians creating that music. And it worked. There's this photo you have that is just, it stopped me in my tracks. You're with Al Green for one Mm. of his shows. Mm -hmm. And you catch him as he is leaving the stage. I'm sure after like four or five encores. And he's about to collapse. No, he he did collapse. collapse. He collapsed at the, this was a situation where I got in front of him and was was walking with them as they as they left the stage, and his security has him, and they're literally he, he's off his feet. Okay, so they're like dragging him they're, off the they're stage. They're dragging him. I mean, no, no, he got off the stage. Okay, okay. But as we get to the door of after, his dressing room, after they've dragged him off, after stage. they've dragged him all, he has he's spent. He's done. So they get him back to the room, and he literally collapses at the door, smacks his head against the door jamb, and. I've got maybe one second, two seconds to to get this shot, and I just remember shifting. Uh. And uh, this is no time to take your meter out and say, "Excuse me, can you hold that while uh-huh. I while I shoot?" So you know that okay, you've got to drop the shutter speed quickly to okay. like maybe an eighth of a second. Okay, firm up because your body is a is a is a tripod, and slowly fire that so there's no movement. What song would he close out with? Sometimes he would close with uh, love and happiness. He was secure enough where he didn't have to, you know, he could he could change it up, and 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 his musicians go, knew they knew how to follow. His musicians well, it was knew. very churchy in the way that like the church Quite. band will just follow the pastor. Quite. They will exactly. follow the pastor to any key to any Al song. Was the pastor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He but, ruled the stage. Yeah, there's no, there's no question. And, and he had to have his security because those nice ladies would pull his <laughs> into the crowd if he yeah. wasn't careful. Yeah. And because he would give out beads, he would give huh. out necklaces, he would give out roses. I remember, and there's a photo of, him, of that you have of him giving the roses out. Giving the roses yeah. out, and the little hand, and the hands, the hands reaching up for coming it. up like it little is, birds. It's, it, it is biblical. So, you know, on top of capturing these artists in their brilliance, she did a really great job of capturing the fans in their near ecstasy um, over these artists. I mean, there's these photos you have of a pretty young Jackson 5 and these young girls swarming their cars. Well, yeah. What was that like? And total pandemonium. You know when the Jackson 5 sing... We always line up one, two, three, four. Five. Total chaos. And you are gonna try to take over. You know what? Stage, I'm coming man. up there with you. Right total Beatles vest. Right fellas, this is my line. I'm gonna get on my show now. One of the things that I I said to my editor was, I said before Michael Jackson conquered the world, he belonged to little black girls in Gary, Indiana, and in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in Harlem. You know. People tend to forget that. Mm-hmm. There's a certain, when you look at these kids, you know, these were their heroes coming to play. And these little girls were dressed in their, like as if they were going to Sunday school. Yeah. How, how did Michael deal with it at that age from what you could see? You're there, you're there with him. Did yeah. He, how, I mean, how he was did... a total professional. Uh. He was wound up like a top. Let's have some fun. I mean, when we did that session in 1976 after they had just left Motown. Oh, and he went to New Label, and you have that photo of them went to that, just so happy to, to be that, free. To that New Label, yeah. to, to Epic Records. Yeah. There was no stopping him. He was like, a, he was like I said, like a top. He was, was he dancing? He was dancing. We had, look, you got to set the stage. You got to set the mood, right? So you have... Food. You okay. have somebody yeah. spinning the records, making sure that they're not twiddling their thumbs looking at you, mm-hmm. right? You can be a fabulous photographer, but you've got to set the mood. You know, when he would start, his brothers would go into their really? routine. And so you'd get a, pr- a private performance right before your eyes. Then there's that question. Do I dare open my mouth and say, fellas, you got to get closer together? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Nobody cares 40 years ago that, that they're off of the background, yeah. that they're off yeah. of the seamless. Yeah. If you're looking at the fact that they're, oh, well, you know, the white isn't behind them. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not going to work. You want to get that action. you yeah. got to get the action. All right, time for another break. In a minute, Bruce talks about his favorite artist, and it's a hard choice. We'll be right back. One of the things I loved about the photos you had of the Jackson 5 and the fans surrounding them, you gave great visual attention and care to these young black girls who are so often 
forgotten in so many ways. Right. And it felt like you were trying to say something with those photos of those fans and those young women. Well, you got to understand something. I, I was on my way to, to go to law school when I bought my first camera. After Whittier College. After Whittier College. Poli-sci major. Poli-sci, poli-sci and sociology major. Okay. I bought a camera when, when, when I was on a foreign exchange in Berlin. Mm-hmm. But my training was sociology. My training was political science. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a time when, when, when we were active. You know, when folks, you know, had a point of view. And I was, you know, I was caught up in that whole thing myself. Uh, civil rights and, and, and human rights and political power and, and the, you know, and to register to vote and, and, and all of that. Yeah. And to see how black folks had been marginalized in so many instances. Mm-hmm. So this was my background. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm going to take that and apply it to, your work. to my work. A, this was not going to be just a book that was screaming into the microphone. Yeah. You know, even though this is the first photo book on soul and and R&B and funk. But so many people fetishize James Brown sweating and, 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 and that's all you see. Yeah. And... And there's more. Well, and this is what came through in the book as well. For these musicians, it was more than just music. They were activists too. They were active in making music in an era where the fight for equality for black people was a very big thing. And there were just little things in here that I had totally forgotten. Like you have a caption in the Stevie Wonder section where you talk about how his rendition of Happy Birthday, the Stevie Wonder version, Mm -hmm. was used to help lobby to make MLK Day a national holiday. Right. Or You have these photos of Muhammad Ali having, you know, fundraisers and events to like – raise awareness about Nelson Mandela. Yeah, he was yeah. he was in conversation yeah. with Gil Scott Heron. And like yeah. I said, they knew the power of their position. Uh. And they understood that it's more than wearing a red hat. Uh. And they had something to say and they would say it. They understood the music. These boys were 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 notorious flirts with the ladies. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, you know, the music could be used. They understood that the music could be used for so much more. You know, they weren't worried about about their Instagram accounts mm-hmm. or their or 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 their brand, mm-hmm. and they wanted to do what was right. Mm-hmm. And that night, they were they were talking about trying to see how they could get together and do something mm-hmm. to uh, make people more aware yeah. of Nelson Mandela's plight. Yeah, that to me speaks volumes. Yeah, who of these musicians did you like the best? You, you you asking somebody to pick you know, which uh, of your yeah. children is your favorite? And every parent secretly has an answer to that question. Oh, I know. We <laughs> we're, we're, we were fortunate. We only have a limited edition. But <laughs> my camera had a love affair with Shaka Khan. Why? Why? Yeah. Because she was so bad. What's I your mean, favorite Shaka song? Tell me something good. So love affair with the, with your camera had a love affair with her. Tell me what my yeah, camera was seduced. <laughs> she was playful. Tell me something good. Mm. She knew who she was. Mm-hmm. Tell me that you love me. Yeah. She had this way that she she carried herself, and when she walked into a room, and I loved the way that the inter, the interaction between she and the band, mm. and I think the photographs show that. And they were having a lot of 
fun. It has been the highlight of my month to just go through these photos and read these stories. So I thank you for it. Well, thank you. Big thanks to photographer Bruce Talaman for that chat. He talked with our former host, Sam Sanders, back in 2018. And just the depth and breadth of all the moments that Bruce was able to capture is hard to believe. It's amazing. Uh, Just amazing art. Fabulous creator. Check out the book. This episode was originally produced by Anjali Sastry-Kerbacek and Jordana Hochman. Additional production and editing by Barton Girdwood and Kitty Isley. We're back in your feeds Friday. I'm Elise Hugh. Talk soon.